Well, friends, for the past six weeks or so, we have been squarely planted in Luke chapter 2. We've spent much time reading these intimate family stories of Mary's pregnancy, Jesus' birth, even a couple snapshots from Jesus' childhood. We spent six weeks in a single chapter because I really wanted us to to feel connected to Jesus, to Mary, and their story. Moving forward, we're going to build on that connection as we read the rest of the Gospel of Luke. We certainly won't spend six weeks with every chapter. We won't even be able to touch each chapter along the way. But from now until Easter, my hope is that we'll all rediscover Jesus in a way and and rekindle an appreciation for his ministry and, and his way of being in the world. Last week, Jesus was 12. Now he's a grown man. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell us how old he is, but there are some ancient writers of the time that place him in his early 30s. He's just getting started. He doesn't have any disciples or crowds following him yet. He's baptized by his cousin John, and then he heads out into the wilderness to prepare for all that is coming. Let's read it together from Luke chapter 4. When Jesus returned from the Jordan River, the power of the Holy Spirit was with him, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus was tested by the devil, and during that time, he went without eating, and when it was all over, he was hungry. The devil said to Jesus, if you are God's son, tell this stone to turn into bread. Jesus answered, Scripture says, people shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led Jesus up to a high place and quickly showed him all the nations on earth. The devil said, I will give all this power and glory to you. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Just worship me and you can have all of it. Jesus answered, The scriptures say, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Finally, the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the top of the temple. The devil said, if you are God's son, jump off. The scriptures say, God will tell his angels to take care of you. They will catch you in their arms and you will not even hurt your feet on the stones. Jesus answered, and the scriptures also say, Do not try to test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished testing Jesus in every way possible, he left him for a while. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you, but this story is certainly unlike anything I've ever experienced or plan to experience anytime soon. And yet, as odd as the wilderness, the fasting, the devil encounter might feel, this story always speaks to me. Maybe not the setting and all the stuff, but the spirit of this story, it does something to me. Try for just a second to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. 
He has spent his entire life up to this point knowing that, that he was set apart, chosen, called to be and do something that's never been done before, right? He knew the, the lowly story of his birth. He knew about all the attention he seemed to get every time he walked into the temple. He was just baptized in the Jordan rivers and the heavens split open and the voice of God said, you are my beloved son. And he's holding all of that. And I've got to believe that there's at least some sort of mixture of of excitement, but, but maybe some pressure, some nervousness even. He knows something big is coming, and so he heads off into the wilderness, a desert, uh, a place of self-searching with no distractions. He begins a 40-day fast, right? A deep sign of devotion and, and like physical reliance on God, and it is there that he encounters the devil, Now, throughout the long history of the church, people have done many things with the devil. Some choose to personify the devil, right? They paint the picture of a devil as a a physical being, a a creature of evil. You might imagine, right, a little fiery red dude with horns, pitchfork, whispering sinful ideas in your ear. Still others have spoken about the devil as a, a darkness of spirit, a shadow self, right? Uh, an inner voice drawing you away from goodness and, and towards self-destruction and pain. And to be completely honest, I'm not all that concerned with how you choose to imagine the devil. I have some thoughts on it, but it's just thoughts. Today, I, I don't think it really matters whether you imagine Jesus encountering an evil being in physical form or a darkness of spirit from within, the point is Jesus is confronted, tested, tempted to act and perform in a certain way. Jesus is tempted to turn rocks into bread. He's hungry. He knows people all around the world are hungry. Creating food out of stones, that'd be a game changer, right? That would be impressive. If he could pull that off, that would surely gain him some followers. But he doesn't bite. Next, he's offered all the power and glory one could imagine, right? He's offered everything. And all he has to do is worship the devil, All he has to do is is bow down to the little pitchfork dude or commit to following the dark side. It's a lot of power, a lot of glory, but for Jesus, it's not worth it. Not like that. And then finally, Jesus is tempted to jump off the temple to prove that he really is special, that he really is the son of God and wouldn't have that saved a whole bunch of time and pain, right? He could have just proved it right then and there and wouldn't have had to go through the whole crucifixion and resurrection thing. But Jesus takes a hard pass on, on the temptation to show off, 
and perform for a crowded temple is he has no desire to test God or put on a show. The temptations of Jesus were enticing because they appealed to fundamental human desires and fears and ambitions. They poked and prodded at the deep human attachment to physical stuff, to power and influence, and the incessant need to to prove ourselves. They presented shortcuts. Shortcuts that promised instant gratification and, and recognition without the need for patience, perseverance, an alignment with the Spirit of God. Now, you may struggle to relate to a 40-day fast and encounter with the devil, but, but I bet every one of you knows those temptations, right? No, I know that, that an inner voice has tried to pull you off course, right, or has tried to convince you to take the easy way out. You might not be tempted to turn stones into bread, but have you ever felt the allure of power, of production, turning nothing into something so that you can flip a quick profit? You might not be willing to sell your soul to the devil for world domination and glory, but, but do you know the temptation to, to cut corners, manipulate data, compromise integrity to achieve short-term success and and recognition. You might not consider jumping off a sky rise to show how special you are, but do you know the temptation to, to prove your worth by working excessively long hours, sacrificing your physical and, and emotional health, your family, relationships, your involvement in community? Maybe. None of us are throwing ourselves off temples, but we love putting on a show, don't we? Right? Whether it's adding an Instagram filter, right, or loading up a credit card, or starting every story telling people how great life and family and marriage is going when inside you're feeling the weight of it all and don't quite know how to take that next step. Yeah. Yeah, we all know the temptation to put on a show, right? To make things come across better than they are. But Jesus refuses all of it. And he could have done it, right? And what a show that would have been. The unknown rookie from a lesser known town of Nazareth blowing the roof off the place in his very first appearance, right? That stuff would have packed the synagogues in town. He could have done it. But he didn't. Now, just this week, I was asked, and it was a, a question caught me. I was asked who my role models or heroes were. All right, and well, talking through the various answers, I had this like momentary kind of surprise realization that, that all the people I named, they all had one kind of shared trait. They had all earned a great deal of success or power or, or attention, and they had all given it up because it conflicted with their core values. 
They were all people who, who either had or could have had the world, and yet they happily relinquished all that stuff to remain true to themselves. And maybe you know someone like that, right? Someone who, who could have gone bigger and better, but, but chose to just remain. Someone who could put on a show, who could kill it with a side hustle, who could market the heck out of their self-brand, but they didn't. They resisted all the shortcuts and found something deeper within. Now, while answering that question of like who my role models and heroes are, I didn't put Jesus on the list. But I wish I had. Sometimes even I can get a little awkward about sounding too churchy. Right? I'm a pastor, and that already raises some eyebrows. To say that Jesus is my hero, right? that's got unrelatable church nerd all over it. Nevertheless, I, man, I wish I had put Jesus on the list of my heroes because he embodies the, the relinquishing of power and the resisting of shortcuts in, in such a compelling way that it truly has changed me, right? It's, it's transformed my life. And I'm really looking forward to spending the next two months or so telling you more about him. And get this, the, the cool part about resisting shortcuts is that it doesn't mean that you won't still get there, right? The, the resisting of temptations doesn't mean that you won't still get to have fun, Jesus might not have turned stones into bread, but he does turn water into wine, which sounds like a lot more fun to me. He might not have gotten all the instant gratification and glory that the devil promised to produce for him, but Jesus Christ, I bet you've heard of him, right? His name's gotten around. And yeah, he doesn't jump off a temple, but he, he does walk on water. He calms a storm. He transfigures before people's eyes. He resurrects after three days of being like very dead. The point is that resisting temptations and shortcuts didn't end up selling his life or his life's purpose short. He still ends up accomplishing all of that stuff. And, and he did it at the right time, in the right way. He leans into his true identity, right? He doubles down on his core values. He silences his ego, and he relies on God to get where he's going. Now, that's some compelling stuff, right? That's the kind of stuff I want to model my life after. Feels like everything out there is, is telling us to keep posting, keep hustling, keep marketing ourselves so that the world will take notice. This morning, you know, I offer a maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the hustle is what's robbing our joy. Maybe all the marketing is what's making us feel like we're never enough. Maybe the shortcuts are stealing the best part of life's journey. Maybe the world needs a counter-narrative, an alternative vision of the good life. Maybe the world needs Jesus and like, like the real Jesus. 
And so I ask, you know, who, who are your role models? Who do you try to model your life after? It's okay if Jesus isn't on your list, right? Obviously, I get it. And at the same time, I, I hope and believe that if you keep showing up here, by the time we get to Easter, Jesus will be on everybody's list. And not out of guilt, not out of some eschatological plan to avoid the little devil dude, but because I really do think Jesus is that compelling and that inspiring. And if I may, one last thought as a church as a community literally organized around a shared desire to follow the way of Jesus, I want you to know how proud I am of who we are, of who we are becoming, and how grateful I am for each one of you that has contributed to the life of this place over the last couple years. Over and over, I've watched this community resist the easy way out. Resist the quick fixes and the shortcuts. Feels like together we've learned how to lean into our core values, right? To worship God together, to make room for everyone, 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 and to double down on justice. And not only is it working, but it feels like we're having fun doing it too. In just a few minutes at our semi-annual congregational meeting, you're going to get to hear some committee reports about how, how well much of it really is working and how much more can still be accomplished together. And my prayer and encouragement is this, that together we continue on the path we're on, not looking for shortcuts or easy ways out, but that we would double down on this church on being the church. And we do the hard work to, to protect and to prepare this community for decades of priceless ministry to come. In just a bit, we'll sing these words. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truce unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we'll stand on your promises. By faith we'll walk as God walks with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Amen.